0: Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today, feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson.
1: Today we're gonna be talking about is there a God? Do we know God? How can we know God? If you have your Bibles open then please to Acts chapter 17. And while you're turning there and finding that, I wanted to give you some information in case you do have friends or loved ones, family that are atheists that say that they do not believe there is a God. Rather than spending the whole message preaching to atheists, because I'm looking around, I don't think I see an atheist in the crowd. But I do want you to have those answers and be ready to explain when we do encounter those that say there is no God. So we're going to be talking about that and that's really what our text is about in Acts chapter 17. Christianity is verifiable, it's knowable, our God is knowable, our God is true. And we will look at reasons why we know that, how we know that, how we can be sure that what we hold to is true, factual, and verifiable. Because we're living in a day and age where the question is, there is no God or is there a God I don't really know that I want to know that's what many people think and really this is the crux is God knowable that's the hub of all that we're going to be talking about not only is God knowable but is the Bible really God's Word is there a true Jesus is he historical what evidence do we have for that what about the resurrection we're going to be talking about the resurrection what historical and factual proofs do we have on that. Is there life after death? What about the Bible's account of creation? Is it factual? What do we do in light of modern scientific findings? And then also, how can I know which is the right church? There's all kinds of churches around. So how do I know which is the true church? Which is the right church? Where is it that we belong? Well, having said all of that, let's get into Acts chapter 17. I'd like to begin reading in verse 16. We'll read through verse 22 and then we'll pick up in a little bit from verse 22. It says, Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him. And some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Oropagus saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak, for you are bringing some strange thing to our ears. Therefore we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Europagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. Let's stop right there, even though it's mid-sentence, we're gonna stop right there because they were very religious. Let's get a little background of what's happening here. The background is that we find the Apostle Paul on his second missionary journey. He is, of course, a missionary out of the church at Antioch, and he has been establishing churches, such as the church at Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea. And in each case, while he was there, tumult came forward, all kinds of problems because he was preaching Jesus and the society around just was in opposition to that. And they were fighting back. Every time he had to run to kind of save his own life, he had to get away, he had to be moved out. Because Paul was a little, in my estimation, a little cantankerous and said, if I die for Christ, great. If you're going to kill me for the Lord, wonderful. Have at it. But I'm going to keep preaching Jesus. I'm going to keep telling you the truth. And it was the disciples often that said, come on Paul, let's let's get you out. Let's move you on. Sometimes even lowering them in a basket and uh, setting him out of the city and sending him on his way. Well, that's kind of what's happened. The religious establishment, of course, and included the Jews and the pagans. They were threatened by the establishment of the gospel and the churches that were being established. Paul was being forced out to run for his life. And that's what brings him the last three stops in Macedonia. He had been brought to Athens, and he comes alone. He's waiting for Timothy and Silas his companions in the missionary journey. He's waiting for them to join him. So while he's there in Athens, and I'm wondering if people aren't just content that, well, he's going to get some rest. We're sending him to Athens, and Paul's going to be able to take it easy for a little while. And we're gonna let him just relax, be rejuvenated. But if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, that's not him. We find that as he's doing that, what did we just read? That he is going to the synagogue, he's going into the marketplaces, he's going all around and preaching Jesus. So while he's there, he recognized this city was completely overrun by idolaters. And consequently, the iniquity that comes with that idolatry, they said that there were over a thousand idols in Athens. The city was full of idols, but was without God, an amazing thing. It was atheism, kraut, in polytheism. He was alone. How could he have any kind of an impact in that kind of a position? Well, as a way of things in the ancient times, the agora was the marketplace. And there would be a gathering of people in the marketplace as part of that gathering city center. And it would be a place given over to philosophies and teachings. And they would hear about the religions. And so Paul went and the discussion of philosophy and theology comes up and religion, and this is the public forum that we're finding here. It wasn't tucked into neat books on a shelf, and it didn't take place in private debates, such as on television or radio, but it was public. So he goes to a public place where he could meet with the philosophers, and he stands in the middle of the Europagus. That is literally the hill of Ares. Sometimes your Bible might say he stood on Mars Hill. And so that's where Paul is. He's standing there in the Oropagus. And that really, the word Oropagus means council. So he's standing there and there's a council. And some of you may have studied and you know that years before, Socrates had been tried and condemned at this very place, at the Oropagus. Four centuries before. And Paul comes back to this very familiar place. And the inhabitants of Athens there argued and debated for centuries over all of these different philosophies and different ideas, but Paul isn't here to defend a personal philosophy. He's not there to get in line with the rest of the philosophers. He's there to introduce the pagans to God. That's his point. That's his purpose. The only true God whom they did not know and he has to start by finding some way to enter into the subject and that's what he does men of Athens I observe that you are very religious in all aspects is really what he says and there's a certain amount of bridge building that goes in that I recognize you are interested in spiritual things I've often been able to talk to people and say are you interested in spiritual things well yes I am So while he was there passing through and examining the objects, he says there in verse 23, For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. Let's stop right at that place. The unknown God. And you know, there was a time in Athens where such a plague had broken out that they send a group of sheep into all of the altars of the idols and they scatter the sheep. And they believed that when a sheep lay by one of the idols, that it would be sacrificed there in hopes that maybe that was the God that was upset and that it would appease and end the plague. And they said that several laid down at the altar to the unknown God. And so Paul is letting them know, this is the God that I want you to know. This is the God that I want you to see. He is explaining to what was nondescript to them, what they could not understand. And that's why he goes in and he makes this great sermon. And I think that it's applicable for us today, getting to know the unknown God. Hi, give me a moment to update you with a bit of information. You can reach us now at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. You can also reach us at P.O. Box 837, Valley Springs, California, 95252. Please contact us with comments, questions, or to receive handouts and printed material. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, back to the podcast. There are three things that we must know that must be known if we're going to know God. First, we have to know that God is. We must know that God is. And we have to know who God is. And then, what God requires. Those are three things to come to the Lord that we've got to know. Now, there were a group of philosophers that were known as the Epicureans. We read about that just in our reading here. They denied creation. You know how they denied creation? They didn't believe in evolution, but they believed that matter was eternal, didn't have a beginning. All of this has always been, things have always been just as we see it. And so matter was eternal it never was created, so it didn't need a creator. Interesting. That's how they solved the problem. And then you have the Stoics. That was another major philosophical group and they were pantheists. Pantheus said that everything is God and God is everything, which I suppose another way of saying the same thing that Paul is saying here, the eternal God is the creator of everything. There was a creation and God made creation, therefore God is not the creation, he is the creator. You see that? So He's going to let them know because He's going to proclaim to them in everything. As a matter of fact, in verse 24, God who made the world and everything in it, since He is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. That was verse 24. God is the Creator and so He is expressing and letting the people at Athens know that, wait a minute, it's not what we have in this New Age movement of our day and age. The New Age movement, I call it Lucasism. Last week I started a new term, might as well start new theology around Lucasism. What is Lucasism? Well, it's, you know, the Force. Lucas movies, Star Wars. The Force be with you. I've just started a whole new religion, right? Lucas films that the Force is with you and you can just, whoop. And I can make that plant move because of the force within. And that's pantheism. It's an old idea. It's been around for years that God is in everything. He's permeating you and He is in you and you are in God. And you just have to find that God within you. It's old ideas. It's not a new religion. It's not a new idea. The Lucas way of life of the force It's a polyglot of pantheism religions. But many find spiritual vitality and they're looking for spiritual help and they're looking for something to fill the void in their lives. I recognize in my readings in Ecclesiastes 3 and 11, it says eternity is set in the heart of man. He has made all things beautiful in his time. Eternity is set in the heart of man. As a young man, I tried all kinds of religions, maybe like you. I tried drugs, I can go through and tell you all of the different things, spent a lot of time, the rock and roll, sex, all to fulfill my lacking. I studied the Native American way, went through a shopping bag of peyote, trying to find the Native American way, the Yaki way of knowledge. I went to Buddhist services, I went to Hindu services. I'd been raised in Roman Catholicism, but I never knew a personal relationship with Christ. I never knew a personal relationship with God. I had the opportunity of three different times serving as chapel clerk in the prisons. Throughout those 18 years and during that time, I spoke to and had firsthand encounters and heard the beliefs of rabbis, imams, which are Muslim ministers, priests, Buddhist monks, Native American shamans, Jehovah witnesses, Mormons, the followers of Asatru, which are Odinist nowadays. But there are people that really believe that if you die in battle, you're going to go to Valhalla. Well, you see, and then there are those today that are following in Wicca and are following in Hinduism. All of these people will tell you, except maybe Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses, that we serve a different God. All of them will say, no, our gods are different. We do not worship the same God. We're not on the same path. It's not just that our God is true and we just call Him by a different name. It's not true with the idea that God is in everything. But, well, whatever you call God, we do know what is right and what leads to the path of eternal life. And how do we know that? How do we know these things? How do we know that what we hold to is true and is right? Because nowadays, we have in the young people in America, they don't look at truth the way I was raised, and maybe the way you were raised. That truth is an absolute. Truth is whatever's true for you. And maybe you've heard that. Maybe you, well, that's your truth. That's not my truth. And this belief stems from several sources that we might consider through this series. But that means that sometimes abortion is okay, because after all, I can rectify that. I can justify that. Sometimes giving up your civil rights is okay. And I'll tell you the truth, if you write him a mean letter or something, when he comes to town, and this isn't just our current president, this has been happening for many, many years, you'll get thrown in jail. When the president comes to town, your civil rights are gone. You'll be held in jail, no phone, no mail, no outside contact until the president's gone, and then you are released. no charges. You haven't been charged. That's all done now, even been expanded in the Patriot Act. But even back in the 90s, in 96 and 97, we've seen that happen. That is something your civil rights are. Sometimes you have the civil right to do what you want, sometimes maybe not. Well, why am I saying that? Because you see, we're no longer standing on absolutes. As a matter of fact, I was amazed that going to court, one of the first things my attorney says is the DA can and will lie. Wait a minute, I thought the courts were courts of truth. No, he can and will. You're expected to tell the truth, but the attorneys don't have to tell the truth. Wait a minute, where are the absolutes. Where is it that we can stand on truths? And that's why in our laws everything is changing. Maybe, maybe it was just me when my son was born. They lifted him up and they said, It's a boy. And I could look and I could see he's a boy. And then my daughters were born. It it's a girl, it's obvious. I can understand that. But nowadays we don't know until they get 15 or 16. What a man, wait a minute, what's wrong? Because God created either male or female. He did not create questioning for you to grow up later and then decide, well, I'm gonna be this or I'm gonna be that. All you have to do is look, look at the evidence. By the way, it's written on a birth certificate. You know the important things of life are written down for you? When you buy a house, you get a mortgage. It's all written down for you or you get the deed. When you get married, you get a marriage license. It's written down. Am I really married? No, I got the paperwork right. When you're born, there's a birth certificate. When you die, there's a death certificate. Everything important in life is written down and recorded. When you're born, either you were born male or female, and it's true. But you see, we're living in a world where there are no absolutes anymore. Well, I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I'm that. We can know certain things that they are true, that they are verifiable, they are absolute. Scientific findings are sometimes not based on facts. You see, because it's based on the interpretation of the facts. So if making a product to kill weeds, that's going to help crops and feed millions of people, but if it kills a few hundred, that's okay. You see, we no longer are standing on absolutes. It's all weighed that there is no absolute right. There is no absolute wrong. There's no way we can tell. My kids will tell you because I still have the belt that dad believed in corporal punishment. And nowadays, have you ever seen kids running around in the store? And I think, you know what? When my kids ran around in the store, A little swat on the behind didn't hurt him, so you're staying with mom. Now maybe my kids didn't grow up to be mass murderers, they're all productive kids. I know all of my brothers, we got, we weren't abused, maybe a little paddle here and there. My brothers at least didn't grow up to be a mass murderer. Truth is not subject to one's interpretation of it. Christianity is based on absolutes. Christianity is based upon truths. And although Islam has absolute rules, it doesn't deems that not every woman has an absolute right. You're subservient, you don't have any rights, but Christianity is based upon a knowable God. Christianity is based on the God who has revealed Himself in the Bible. He has made absolute claims upon mankind that determine an absolute end, heaven or hell.
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.